The Engaging Podcast is brought to you by our lovely Engaging Spaces. Through our competitive grant process, faculty have the opportunity to reimagine their teaching spaces and create a classroom that can allow for substantial engagement. So what does that mean for you as an instructor? Well, you get to teach in these classes. We currently have classrooms in the Lee Drain Building and Evans that are available for reservation. And by the end of summer 2021, we will also have a classroom available in Farrington. You can reserve these spaces for the whole semester on a reoccurring basis or just for a specific class where you need a flexible space. Each classroom is unique, so check out our website for the specs that each room has to offer. We have everything from rolling chairs and movable tables to individual whiteboards for students, whiteboard walls, and all the technology you could imagine. You can find all this information and more on our website at www.shsu.edu slash QEP. And if you would like to schedule your class, send us an email at engaging at shsu.edu. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our podcast number four. Today, we have two very special guest speakers to join us. I would like them to introduce themselves to you. How about let's start with Adrian. Hello. So my name is Adrian Bijalta. I'm an assistant professor at chemistry, and I teach mostly introductory chemistry courses. And we have Dangil. Can you please introduce yourself? Hi, uh, this is Dongil Song. I'm an assistant professor and doctoral director, and now master's coordinator of instructional systems design and technology at Sam Houston State University. So, yeah, as you see, we have two wonderful guest speakers to lead today's discussion about self-assessment. So now let's go ahead and start with our question and answer for the self-assessment. First question is, what is active learning to you? Andrea, would you like to go ahead and start this discussion? Yes, sure. Um, so active learning for me, what I try to do is I do chemical education research. So I have to use a formal definition for it. And to do that, I have this particular framework. It was created by Mikey Chi from the University of Arizona. And the framework is called the ICAP framework. The ICAP means uh, interactive, constructive, act- active, and then passive Um, Those are the four categories in which we can classify everything that happens in the classroom. From our point of view, active learning will fall into any activity that is active, constructive, or interactive. In those, the students are actually behaving in a way that we can observe, and that behavior can tell us their kind of overt behaviors in terms of cognitive uh, engagement. And by that engagement, we mean that they can actually learn the content. So the active and constructive activities are done individually. That is, the student is doing something without having to interact with anyone. So what I try to do with active learning is have constructive activities. The ICAP framework states that Interactive activities have the highest learning outcome and passive activities in which the students are just like listening, um, they do not have very high learning outcomes, at least not in comparison. 
what I try to do in my classes is focus on constructive and active activities that the students can actually engage as I'm going through the lecture. That's wonderful. So I heard about active learning regarding to constructive method and framework to let students engaged. How about Dangale? What yeah. is active learning to you? Yes, uh, I love active things. I'm many of you, many of the instructors love active things rather than passive stuff, as Adrian said. I mean, I found some kind of definition of active learning. So to check my understanding is correct or not. The active learning is an approach to teaching and instruction in which all students engage in the learning process and then actively or experientially involved in the learning process. But I personally, I think it's a little bit broad. So, and then even in the education research field, my field, the instructional technology research field, we usually call this type of stuff, uh, the student-centered approach, but still it's quite broad too. So in many, it has many things like learner engagement, personalized learning and dynamic scaffolding or even self-regulated or self-directed learning. So I'd like to narrow down the scope a little bit for myself and for our podcast audience. Uh, in my research and in my teaching, I am focusing on interaction among these active learning approaches. So interaction includes instructor-learner interaction or learner-learner interaction or learner-content interaction. So the nature of the term that interaction includes the concept of active, absolutely. So without this active nature, I think there is no interaction. Thank you so much, Dangel. From this question, I would like to lead into the question two. And Dangel, I would like you to go ahead and follow up with your input. So what different assessment tools do you use to see if your teaching is on track for where you want it to be? Oh, thank you. That's a very good question. I mean, as I said, I am focusing on the interaction. Uh, if I want to assess this interaction is going well or not, uh, I had to mention that a new term, the monitoring process. I would like to, or I prefer using the monitoring process rather than assessment. But before that, I, I think I need to warn you, my audience, that my courses are little, might be a little different from yours. I mean, my courses are 100% online and doctoral courses. So my students are non-traditional, like uh, most of them are kind of, they have full-time jobs, uh, independent school districts, uh, technology directors or company training managers and military training experts on some sort of things. So if I focus on the monitoring process, the higher level interaction, I mean the frequency does not specifically guarantee the success of their learning. So just measuring the frequency of interaction is not that meaningful. Quality is also important, obviously. So that means it's hard and almost impossible for me to assess 
their active learning or their interaction engagement. So, uh, so that's why I use the term monitoring process rather than assessment. So let me introduce my monitoring process. I mean, I have weekly tasks rather than one big midterm or final tasks. Uh, for example, each 15 weeks have equally important tasks. That depends on the task, but usually my students need to access the resources, kind of learner content interaction, or need to discuss with their peers is for the learner-learner interaction and consult with me, learner-instructor interaction. For a specific example, I mean, in my statistics course, each week my students were given a quantitative research question that should be solved with a specific statistical method. I mean, they are supposed to watch my instruction video for concept learning and additional video for SPSS simulation, which is the statistical tool, and discuss with their peers to talk about their ideas and approaches and absolutely consult with me to ask about troubleshootings or confirmation for their approach. Uh, of course, I can observe or monitor their learning in the Blackboard discussion board as well. Emails with me or Zoom with me, their shared Google Docs. There are many evidences or assessment tools or monitoring tools out there. So most importantly, their weekly analysis paper contains all this information. So you don't need to add extra assessment tool or extra monitoring tool. So I do not have to have any special assessment tool. Wow, that's a different approach. But like Daniel mentioned about the nature of the class is different. But I'm so glad to hear the different way using monitoring method to make sure students are self-learner and to assess their learning. Very good. Thank you so much, Dangel. And Adrian, how about what different assessment tools do you use to see if your teaching is on track for where you want it to be? All right. So for this, um, in terms of where you want it to be, I'm going to focus on the day-to-day -day class. I know that the entire semester has to cover a lot of content, particularly for chemistry courses. Um, so we have to be on track on that in that sense too. But the end day today, what I try to do is try to incorporate activities that will force the students to be more active. Um, they're usually taking notes, some of them, but some of them are just passively listening to me. So what I try to do is move away from just talking and delivering content or explaining the content to having the students actually do something. So usually I create a clicker questions. These are multiple choice questions uh, that the students will have some time to think about. Sometimes they are just um, trying to go through a procedural uh, calculation, but the majority of the questions that I try to do are more conceptual. So they have to really connect the concepts that we are discussing with the new problem. And usually it's completely different to the example I've been using. So it falls into this category of constructive activities. I don't give them the entire solution, like they don't just read the question, have to know the response, right? It's not like a memorization question where they have to recall, they have to actually connect 
the concepts to the new problem and that is constructive. So sometimes that is not su successful. So I pull the responses from the students live. I have this um, application, the iClicker app, it's called the Reef app. So I can see very quickly um, where the students are in terms of understanding. And from there, if the response uh, that is correct is very low, then I have the students talk to each other and try to interact with each other because the nature of the question is more open-ended in that sense, conceptual, then they have to really discuss it. It's not just like, oh, you didn't multiply by two, you have to multiply here by two. Um, so they do have a more meaningful conversation about the content. And then I ask them to click again. And then we see if the correct response increases. So the first time I ask them, I don't show them the responses. The second time I may uh, go ahead and explain if they still have questions. So those are kind of the assessments that I use. I try to incorporate at least two of these questions. They take like five minutes of discussion time. So I have to budget in that time into the class. Um, and I try to do it every single day be before class. Um, to really have myself into this position of like kind of forcing myself into stopping and having the students engage with the content. Wow, thank you, Adrian. So it sounds like for the clicking system you have been using, you would have to spend some time to pre-design the questions to put into the clicker system before the class in order oh, for... No, well, the clicker question, what happens is the app, uh, you just start the app and it gives you options. And so you just see the options, but in the lecture, the um, projector, I have the question embedded within the um, lecture PowerPoint or the document that I'm using. So when I ask them, okay, so this is a clicker question, I just start it and they will see either in their phones or with a clicker device that they can go ahead and click. Um, so I don't really have to prepare much with the clicker app um, and the question itself is not written there. It could, but I don't use it that way. I put it on, let's say PowerPoint and then I just um, project it. I see. So to follow up with the, the your input, what have you learned from these assessment tools about your teaching? Adrian, can you follow up with uh, Yeah, so what I have learned through a couple of years of doing this activities, uh, in-class discussions and worksheets uh, for group work is that I have to stop myself from just giving all the content. Uh, and I know we have some content to cover, uh, 10 chapters, nine chapters per semester or so, but um, I, I learned that I, I could incorporate all of these activities and still cover the entire content. Now, sometimes the chapter has some sections that I will not cover in class, but I will, with these activities, give them the strong foundation that they need to actually learn by themselves that content that I will not cover. And I will be very open and tell them I don't have time to really go through the entire chapter, but these sections, you will understand them on your own. That's totally fine. So I do focus on the most challenging concepts. And those are the ones that I use in these activities. So the students, if they do have questions, they can ask me right there if they don't understand it. So I can try find new different ways to actually um, address it. So 
they, they have a better understanding, at least more examples on that particular concept. But that's what I have learned the most is that to plan for the class every single day, I might need to just stop myself from talking and give them the chance to really try it. So how, what kind of a learning outcome you have learned from by giving them the chances to challenge themselves? Uh, there is a couple of ways. I think I will say that I have been learning a lot more about uh, how to create meaningful uh, class activities, um, how to create demonstrations in chemistry. I can actually do that and just bring the chemicals in or particular equipment to show them, uh, make things that were more abstract and just pictures into something that is more realistic and is in front of them. So I've been learning a lot uh, on my own into what kind of activities are best for explaining a specific concepts. And so I have been creating this kind of list of materials and um, equipment that I can use. And I have a lot of it in my office, it's just safe equipment, but those were things that I didn't think about before. Uh, and I think um, constantly about what else can I bring to actually uh, make everything more clear. Mm, so it sounds like you give the students more time and more challenges to learn on their own and follow up with your clicking systems with the questions. Yes. Um, so a lot of the content is in the book. And so they're supposed to read it. Uh, we also go through some of those concepts and I explain it uh, from beginning to end. And then we have the clicker questions or the activities um, for them to just have a very concrete example of how to use this knowledge or how the knowledge is used to analyze particular um, uh, processes. I got it. Thank you so much, Adrian. And Daniel, how about you from your mentoring system with a weekly assignment? What have you learned from the, these assessment tools about your teaching? Oh, thank you so much for the good question, Adrian. I mean, it's not the mentoring system, it's a monitoring system uh, to correct that. Anyway, uh, for the instructor side, this monitoring process is kind of quite time intensive. I mean, it feels like I'm having a sort of final grading every week. This is very time consuming. I understand that, but it guides you in a great direction. I mean, each week you can monitor your students' progress, their challenges, their understanding. So you can tweak a little bit uh, the following week's task in terms of kind of you know, difficulty or approach or other things. Of course, the short quiz or pop quiz could be working well, but this kind of little bit bigger than the quiz task would be much better. I mean, this can be called like a customized learning. Also through the personalized feedback on each week's task, we can move forward to personalized learning, absolutely. I know not all courses can have this kind of equally distributed weekly task system, but it's worth trying. I mean, rather than one big final exam, we can think about a little more weighted weekly tasks. So, Daniel, do you create a special kind of a 
like an Excel sheet or a Word document to organize this weekly performance as your monitoring assessment tool? Uh, I have not, but that could be a great suggestion, Jen. This is an awesome idea. But uh, from the beginning, I put all these task information, including each task's rubric, on our Blackboard course. So each Blackboard course has multiple tasks. So students a little bit, they are a little bit swamped from the beginning, but I tried, we should try to explain in detail from the beginning about each week's task and their rubric or evaluation system. So I'm pretty sure that having an Excel sheet to monitor each student's you know, progress, that would be an awesome idea. But in my course, as I said, the doctoral students, the course size is not that huge. I mean, the 10 students, sometimes 12, but if you have more than like 20 or 30, absolutely having an Excel sheet or other documents to monitor each student's progress, that would be an awesome idea. Mm -hmm. Because earlier you mentioned about the frequency of their participation on the Blackboard might not be able to assess their actual self-learning progress. So I was just curious whether there is any other tools you developed as part of the mentoring program. Yes, it is. That's that's awesome point. Thank you, Lijian. Thank you. And thank you so much for all of this valuable information. And I would like to pick your brain to see whether do you have any recommendation for the faculty who are listening to this podcast. Dangel, do you have any recommendation? Uh, yes, I have a few, but I'm not sure this our audience would like it or not. <laughs> anyway, let me try. Let me take a step at it. I mean, if you want your students to be active, you should be active first. Be active instructors. I mean, active instructors do not simply reuse previous semester's course materials. I mean, that's the passive attitude. Active instructors utilize new resources for their current students, not your past students. So every term, every course needs a different approach because it all depends on their current students. So my suggestion is be active instructors. Actually, that's an excellent point there. Thank you so much, Dangel. You're welcome. How about Adrian? Do you have any recommendation for the faculty? Uh, yes, I think the, the thing that I've been uh, considering lately is that uh, the students graduating now from high school and entering now college, um, they might have experienced a completely different approach to learning uh, remotely. So they might have been exposed to more passive type of activities, especially their last year. Um, so I will recommend that um, faculty, if they don't do it already, um, 
do have a lot of uh, meaningful questions and engagement activities with the students early on the first two weeks of the semester. Uh, so the students realize very quickly that they have to catch up, that they have to be learning from the material, the content, the, the textbooks on their own, and then come into class and be ready to participate so the only way to enforce that is to have meaningful questions in the beginning, even if the content seems more simplistic or uh, basic at the beginning that they may know it, just to have these activities constantly every single day for like the first two weeks. Uh, it might be that people do questions and ask questions during the class, but the idea I think will be to try and have meaningful questions that every single student should engage with and have a discussion after they have actually thought about it or uh, wrote something about it or tried to actually solve the problem on their own. But for them to realize that we cannot just be sitting here doing nothing or just paying attention, we have to be ready because there is a question that is coming and, and force them into that realization um, because college is quite different. Um, so, but I think because of the nature of this past year, we might want to really try during the first weeks to um, make the class a lot more engaging, a lot more active um, for the students. And I think that will help us through the entire semester, um, uh, particularly this coming semester. Thank you so much for the valuable input. Like our guest speaker, Andrea and Dange share with us, be ready being active and being willing to assess our students. And thank you all for listening. This is Li Jian Laster, the Associate Director of Pace Center for Assessment. And we want to thank you all for listening this podcast. We will see you next time. Bye-bye. Engaging Podcast is sponsored by the Engaging Classrooms Classroom Observations. Sign up today for our team to come record one of your classes, virtual or face-to-face. -face. We will then code your recording with the TDOP program and produce your very own personalized active learning baseline. This data will be used for our Engaging Classrooms QEP assessment, and all recordings will be destroyed after results have been shared with you. If you are interested in participating, we invite you to email us at engaging at shsu.edu. Thanks so much.